Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, August 26th, 2022. When I was a wee young man attending Sunday school in church, my favorite song to sing was called Father Abraham. And my love for the song had little to do with the the words, the melody, and basically everything to do with the actions, because at the end you were spinning around and then sitting down, and I, I thought it was a fun song to sing. But the lyrics went like this, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. And then you would do a series of different uh, movements. Uh, throughout the song, and you'd repeat those lines over and over. And that's where, as a kid, I I didn't really have much of a thought for what that meant, that I'm a son of Father Abraham. What does that mean? Well, we're going to see a little bit more of of what that means in our reading today in Romans chapter 4. And even if you go to the middle of the chapter, it, it says the purpose was to make him, Abraham, the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him, Abraham, the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So it's basically saying, uh, Father Abraham, really, he's the father of all who believe, of all who follow in his footsteps of faith. So that's where you you could say, hey, I'm a son of Abraham, even if you are not an Israelite, even if you are not a Jewish person. Because here it's saying, really, we're his sons if we follow his example of faith. And and that's where I want us to really dig into the subject of faith today. And as we consider faith, we're going to see a couple things here that I think are critically important. One, we're going to see some of the biblical logic for why we are saved by faith, but also we'll see some things that remind us faith is not just involved in the transaction of salvation. Uh, Faith is what really fuels the Christian life. Even just uh, remember, it's the footsteps of faith uh, of Abraham. And so we need to think, even as we've already seen in Romans, the righteous are not merely saved and justified by faith. Even if that is one of the main arguments of the book, we also see the righteous will live by faith. And we want to see more of what that means. So let's consider Romans chapter 4, our New Testament reading today. And a big part, he's continuing from what we saw yesterday, arguing that we are not justified by works. No one can be justified by works. We are justified by faith. And it's really a gift uh, that is the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And he's saying, okay, you, you want to make an argument that some people can be justified by their works? Maybe the argument you would try to make is Abraham. And he's saying, no, let's think about that because Abraham was not justified by his works. He was justified by faith. And he goes to the Bible. He quotes from Genesis 15 there in verse three. And he says, for what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, So he's saying Abraham believed and that was credited to him. That's almost a a financial uh, term there that he was credited with righteousness. And, And that's what we see even going on to quote Psalm 32 there. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sin is covered. That God gives to us the righteousness of Christ. We are not righteous, but through faith in Christ, we receive his righteousness. It is counted to us. It is credited to us through faith. When we believe God. And then they might say, well, what about circumcision? It wasn't he justified because of his circumcision. And that's where he's saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This whole thing with he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness that happened before he was circumcised. It says in verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So he was saved before he was circumcised through faith. And that's where we get to what I quoted earlier, that he might be the father of all who believe, whether they are circumcised or not. And that would be, this is kind of a little bit tangential, but if you come across people that try to teach you that being baptized is what saves you, or you are not saved unless you are baptized, one of the arguments I would make is, uh, what about Abraham? He was not circumcised, yet he was saved. Yes, that faith drove him to then be circumcised, just like if you are a Christian, that faith in Christ should lead you to obey him in baptism, but it is not the baptism that saves you. You are saved through faith. So you are saved before you are baptized. But baptism is an important symbol of that faith that you should, as an obedient Christian who is full of faith, do. Uh, But it is not what saves you. No no ceremony can save us. This is very clear. Faith is what saves us. But also, I think you get a sense in this chapter that that faith is not just, well, I'm saved. Great. Uh, Faith is what fuels the entire Christian life. And it really speaks to the nature and the character of Abraham's faith in ways that really encouraged me. Uh, In verse 18, it describes Abraham and it says, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that the, the thoughts there, why should you live the Christian life today? You know, you, you believe that you are saved through faith. Okay, why should you obey Christ today? Why should you follow Christ today? And I would argue biblically, because you believe in God and you trust his promises and you are convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. And that's something we should all aspire to, this unwavering faith that we don't waver because we are trusting in the promises of God. And we are fully convinced that God is able to do what he had 
had has promised. Do you have that confidence today? And that's where I think one thing we need to identify is what has God promised me? You cannot say, well, God has promised me he will make me into a great nation. And you may come into trials where it's valid to ask, what has God promised me? Because uh, there's a lot of talk in church. There's a lot of talk even in our society about faith, but a lot of it is very generic. Um, You know, and a lot of people, let's just take the one potential life situation. You're, You're diagnosed with cancer. You know, a lot of people would just say, hey, you got to have faith. Well, that's where I would say you need to have faith in the promises of God. And in that moment, can you honestly say, well, God has promised me that I will be healed. I don't find that in the scripture. Uh, Well, what I do see in scripture is unless Christ comes back, we will all eventually die of something. But think of all the promises you do have. He will never leave me or forsake me. Uh, He's promised that he will work all things together for good. He has promised, he has said that his mercies are new every morning. He has promised me that he is the resurrection and the life. So even if I die, I will live. He has promised me that he will keep me safely until the end, right? We, We need to think of these promises. Think of the promises you need to think about today. Maybe some of you, you need to remember God's promise that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give wisdom from James chapter one. We, we need to identify what are those unshakable promises of God. And I'm going to trust that he will do what he has said. And that will help my faith keep from wavering and will keep me obedient, will keep me confident, uh, no matter what's going on in my life. So there is a lot that we can learn from Father Abraham, even if we're not doing the right arm, left arm, stand up, turn around, sit down at the end of the song. There's a lot to learn from the faith of Abraham, uh, both for one, just clear biblical teaching on how does one get saved through faith. And we are credited with the righteousness of Christ, but also how are we to live? We are to live by faith in the promises of God, fully convinced that he will do what he has promised. Well, as we go back to the Old Testament now, we're going to be reading a little bit in 1 Kings and then in 2 Chronicles. In 1 Kings today, all what we'll see relates to kings of the northern kingdom of Israel. And I'll give you a heads up. It's not going to be pretty as we look from 1 Kings 15 verse 25 through the end of chapter 16. And then we will also look at one of the kings of the southern kingdom, or at least the beginning of his reign in 2 Chronicles 17. So first in 1 Kings And in chapter 15, uh, we start reading about a series of kings. Nadab is the son of Jeroboam, and we see him uh, murdered by this man named Baasha. And we see this fulfills uh, what God had said was going to happen to Jeroboam. His house was going to be wiped out because he did not follow the Lord. You see that in verse 29. It says he left to the house of Jeroboam, not one that breathed until he had destroyed it according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servant, Ahijah the Shilonite. It was for the sins of Jeroboam that he sinned and that he made Israel to sin. And because of the anger to which he had provoked the Lord, the God of Israel. So then Baasha becomes king, but he does wickedness 
too. And so a prophet comes to him and makes a very similar promise. He says, I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam. Anyone that belongs to your house, basically in verse four, who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Uh, and, And that's what was said to Jeroboam. And that's what happens because you see Elah, the son of Baasha, he only reigns two years before he is killed by this man named Zimri. And then it gets pretty ugly because Zimri, he only lasts as king for seven days before Omri, he comes up and besieges the city where Zimri is. And Zimri, he goes into the citadel of the king's house and burns the house down over him, basically commits suicide. And then Omri reigns in Israel and he is not not a good king. And then his son, now you probably get to a king. You might not have heard of some of these kings before, but at the end of chapter 16, you get to a king that you probably have heard of, a king named Ahab. And if you think these other kings were bad, it says, and Ahab in verse 30 of chapter 16, the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So all these other kings are like, yikes, yeah, these guys are bad. It's saying Ahab is even worse. And one of the reasons why uh, it is worse is he takes for a wife Jezebel, uh, who is a princess of the Sidonians who worships a false god. And they start to worship that false god together is what we see happening. And so that's where he's not just doing the golden calves. He, he's even going above and beyond. And he's doing so by worshiping this false god that we get introduced to here. I guess we've seen him earlier, but he'll be a main feature in these coming chapters, the false god Baal, if you want to go with a more Hebrew pronunciation, Baal. And we're going to see even how that factors in with Elijah. And that's really what the stage is getting set for. The next few days, we'll be reading about the prophet Elijah and his interactions with King Ahab. But we see wickedness in the kingdom of Israel. But in the southern kingdom, as we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we meet this good king of the kingdom of Judah named Jehoshaphat. And he seems to be a strong, godly king. It says that he, the Lord was with him because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, these false gods, but he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. And I love what it says in verse six. It says his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the Asherim out of Judah. You know, it sounds like Jehoshaphat with his heart being courageous was someone who was following in the footsteps, not just of his father, David, but of his father, Abraham. And we see even the success and the peace that he brought to the kingdom of Judah because he courageously followed the Lord. And I hope today as we consider Jehoshaphat and also as we consider Abraham, we would all be strengthened and fully convinced in our faith of a God who keeps his promise so that we might have uh, some of the unwavering faith of Abraham. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.